Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap for the United States Open Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, hello to you, and thanks for staying up late with us. Of course, you guys. I mean, it was a great uh, first round to the John Deere Classic out there in Los Angeles today. Uh, Real firm and fast conditions, uh, but yeah, a little first cut after dark. (laughs) You've just always been upset that that we're here and you're not. You've always just you've always just you know have to have to. I'm, have to... I'm playing both grounds. I'm trolling the people who yeah. are defending legitimately just like grass and people who probably don't know what they're talking about. So this, I mean, I'm in the middle. <laughs> this is what Patrick does. He 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 plays both sides. He always like when people start turning on him, he's like, I don't know. I was I was doing both sides. Like you can't blame me. Yeah, that right there. You play Kyle both sides. Is... You're always on top. That's true. That's what they say. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm. I'm behind Kyle in the media center right now. Um, because we don't. We have one. We have single mixer, so we're not on the same board. But we're making it happen. Uh, KP, long day. Uh, let's just jump right into this. The the golf course uh, tends to be the storyline at Open Championships, but there wasn't enough carnage. Says Golf Twitter. Oh, everybody's just mad about everything all the time, and. Listen, I, I get it. Like, lowest scoring round or lowest uh, first round scoring average in U.S. Open history, almost in major championship history. And I get that. There's frustration. And I don't think anybody, like, I, I hope that it is firm, fast, baked out, windy, all those things tomorrow. I, I, I truly do. And for the rest of the week. But a couple of things. One, this is. This is sort of what the USGA does, right? We saw this at Wingfoot a couple of years ago. The, now the scoring average wasn't quite six or uh, seventy-one, and I think it was seventy-one point three today. I think at Wingfoot it was it was it was higher than that. So this was easier, but this is they give you the course on day one, and then they start reeling it back in on two, three, and four, and that's a good way to set up a championship. This course is going to get harder. It's going to bake out, but they, it, listen, like. Everybody's mad when it's too hard. Everybody's mad when it's too easy. Do you, it's so hard to thread the needle of getting the golf course just right. Like if, if they had played it really hard today and it had been windy and it just balloons, that's not fun. So it, it's I, – I actually commit – like I wrote this. I commend the USGA for letting the golf course kind of sort out the top of this leaderboard. You know, when, when Xander and Ricky finish, nobody was within four of them. It's not as if it was like – piling up at 63 62 64 now that did happen later on but i i thought that there was uh, joseph mamania was talking about this on twitter there was a lot of shot value to be had out there and it's a golf course that i think is we were out here all day it was it was a ton of fun to watch players hitting different kinds of shots and i think it'll be even more fun if it gets firm and fast over the next three days 
it, it gives you opportunities, Patrick. We knew that. We knew it was going to have you were going to have more scoring opportunities than Oak Hill, just because of the way the golf course plays. But you still have to take advantage of it. You still have to hit a lot of different shots. It is not homogenous. It is it is just asking you a bunch of questions. Now these guys are really good. A lot of them can answer those questions, but like I, there's there's only one direction we're going from here, and that's harder. Exactly. I think today there were seven, maybe eight birdie holes. These guys probably felt. You think about one, the par five. Three, I think everyone in the field hit that fairway. That was a funnel pin. Uh, yeah. Six, the short one, which some guys messed up. Some guys played it perfectly. Eight as well was an easy par five. And then 10, 14, and 15, uh, all wedge opportunities as well. So you give these guys a wedge from the middle of the fairway. If you're hitting the fairways today, Dustin Johnson hit all of them, all 13. They're going to – it doesn't matter how firm or how fast it is. These guys are going to give themselves really good looks. And DJ didn't even putt well today. So – Look, I know I kid. I kid that, you know, I like to make fun of the people who care about the golf course, the gar- golf architects, n- nerds. But you guys are right. This is how the USGA has always done it. And Kyle posed the question today. And Rick, I'll toss it to you. Would you take eight under on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Um I would at least, yeah. I mean, I would because I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna get smoked. I shoot <laughs> But like, I think if you if you offered it to Ricky right now, he should take it. I don't know if he would, but he should. I don't know. I... <clears throat> Why he should? Why? He should. He'd lock, he should. he'd lock up like a top five in a major. And I mean, this is a guy who like had a concern about his card recently. Like, yeah, you should take it. Oh, so you're. You're not you're not you're not talking about winning. You're just talking about Ricky finishing in the top five. We're not talking about job security here, Rick. We're talking about history. Like Xander shouldn't take it because Xander's got like, you know, like Xander's gotta win majors. Like you gotta make sure he wins it, but Ricky should take it. I think you should at least think about it if if you're if you're wanting to win. Which was the reason I asked the question. Um I think it's probably gonna be more like ten. Or something like that. It, it just depends. I mean, it, it's so dependent. This is what I think sometimes people don't understand is it's so dependent on the wind, right? Like, and, and this is what we see when it get when they set it up too crazy, like at Shinnecock or wherever. If the wind blows, it's like it's a it's a nightmare. It's not fun. Nobody likes it. It's not exciting. The players hate. They just rage on everything. So it's just that that line between too easy and too. Uh, difficult is a lot thinner sometimes than I think people think two at the top a pair of 62s one from Ricky Fowler one from Xander Shoffley let's start with uh the guy who got in the clubhouse first that was Ricky Fowler Patrick this was count them 10 birdies on the card two bogeys eight under 62 the resurgence of Ricky continues it's real. God, I wish I didn't use him at the second major championship of the year, right? I, I knew this was coming. Like, oh, my God. Uh, and I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but he made a little adjustment to his putter as well. He, yeah. he took a little length off it. Uh, and like I said at the the Tuesday show, I really liked that Ricky Fowler got himself into contention there at Muirfield Village because, yes, he had all these great finishes, I think 11 top 20s before Jack's place, but he didn't really – 
get himself into contention. He didn't get the blood pumping, so to speak. And he had a putt there on the back nine at Jack's place to tie the lead. And yeah, he made a few bogeys coming in, but I, I think he really carried that momentum role uh, going in. And this is a great golf course for him. You can get a little wayward off the tee. I know the width of the fairway is a big talking point. I know it's super undulating and they play a lot uh, smaller than w- what the length says, but you can get a little wayward off the tee, which that has been Ricky's bugaboo for honestly most of his career and it continues to be and then you factor that in he's having the best approach season of his career he's found a little form with the putter these are bent grass greens that's kind of ricky's bread and butter there and and it makes a lot of sense whether he can continue to keep it going or not i i think he does have some substantial staying power on this leaderboard uh how they set it up tomorrow i think is going to be pretty key because you have some some pretty big names in the chasing pack with a quick turnaround and he's going to have to wait I wouldn't be surprised if he's not leading by the time he tees off uh, and whether, whether that affects his mentals or not uh, will be something to look out for. I, th- I think one thing about the the width of the fairways, Patrick, is they play narrow when it's, when it's running fast. And it wasn't necessarily – it wasn't slow today, but it wasn't fast. And so I think today especially you could be a little bit wider off the tee and not – You'd be a little out of position, but you wouldn't get punished, right? And so I'm inter- I'm really interested to see if the fairways get faster and you do have to be like – I mean, Bryson was talking about how, hey, some of these fairways are like 20, 25 yards wide. Not actually, but that's like where you have to hit it. Yes. And that wasn't – that is true, but I don't know that it was necessarily as true today as it will be over the next three days. Uh. Ricky, where would in the 2023 version of Ricky Fowler winning a major, where would that rank? Is he still, does he still move the needle? Is this, would this, would my mom know about it if Ricky Fowler wins the U.S. Open? Like, where does this rank in 2023? I don't, I have a hard time answering this question, Rick, because, and I, I hope this comes across the right way. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't care if it comes across the right way. There, there was no, there was no juice at the event today, right? Like we're both walking around all day. There's nobody out here, and so a lot of times the answer to that question is very dependent on what you hear or who people are cheering for or whatever. And because there's so few tickets sold to sort of regular fans of golf out here, it's kind of hard to. I mean, I could give you like the internet answer, which is maybe a better answer anyway, but I just, I was struck by how little juice there was on the grounds as we kind of walked around today. Yeah. I don't know how it looked on the coverage, Patrick, but like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's only, I think 25,000 tickets a day. A lot of it are corporate and this golf course, the way it's set up, the fans can't even get to a lot of greens and a lot of tee boxes. So I felt like they, I'm sure they were like never on the coverage. Like, I don't know how much they came across through the audio or you could see them, but it, it's, it's almost serene. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a nice walk in the park out here. Rick, you're the only fan I saw on coverage literally the <laughs> entire day. I swear you were in every single shot. It, it, I mean, you have, you have an a, a knack for it, my man. Like credit Rick, to you, but Rick, it kind of it was giving off like TPC Harding Park vibes almost on TV from Morikawa's. Yeah. No, I I agree. Rick is the hardest 
working person in the media center. He was crying. He was grinding over multiple groups, running around. It was awesome. He was he was dialed, locked I was, in. I was teleporting. I know all the shortcuts around here already. So things are things are going well. Uh, Xander Shoffley, Patrick. Uh, he did it again, right? Eight under sixty-two. This guy's been this guy's been well-rounded. He's been dialed. Is I, I I'm thinking he's the best player in the world without a major championship. Patrick Cantley, I guess, near the top of that list. But like Xander, man, this would be this would be a big one. This would be a this would be a stamp for him. Yeah, big one, long time coming type of deal, and it was very easy for him. I, I was struck by how easy it was. And he was alongside John Rahm, who was struggling a little bit off the tee, and Victor was up and down most of the day. And first first nine, that back nine, which was playing about a stroke more difficult, stroke and a half. Uh, he hit all seven fairways, all nine greens, turns in three under, gets a really bad break on one when his ball kind of got caught up in that fescue off the fairway bunker. Played it smart. I think Austin Kaiser was advising him to try to hit it into the other bunker at one point and the broadcast is like what is he talking about right now you don't want a 100 what 100 yard wedge shot from that bunker he ended up taking a club less thank god converts a 20 foot birdie putt and that kind of got him going hold some really nice putts i think he made one from like 60 ish feet from off the green uh that must come on five i guess and he showed a lot of patience on six as well when he was down in that little gully got a bad lie he said he wanted to go more towards the pin. Austin was like, uh-uh, buddy. Hit it out to the right. He actually hit a great shot, probably an inch or two from being on the green and giving himself a look for birdie, but got up and down for par and then knocked one close on seven and made the birdie on the par five-eighth. So statistically, it's his best season ever, right? He just unfortunately ran into a buzzsaw there at Quail Hollow with Wyndham Clark, who gained, what was it, Rick, like 20 strokes or something on the field, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is a guy who kind of gets up for big U.S. Open or big events, especially the U.S. Open. He has six straight top 15 finishes. Uh, I think he's the first since Bobby Jones to have, have five straight top 10 finishes uh, before that. I think Rory can match that this week, too, which is crazy. Uh, so it, it, it makes a lot of sense. California, widish fairways. That's kind of his bugaboo. And the putter's humming right now. Uh, that is. Do you count the 62s as the new U.S. Open record score? Uh, I mean, I mean, they definitely count for sure. I mean, but there's only you've got, thir- you've got, you've got your oh. fraud ranking. So like, is this like, how does that work? Oh, USGA. I, I would have never seen the day. <laughs> no, um, no, it definitely counts. Just, uh, I'm sure Johnny Miller doesn't count them though. They gained nine and a half strokes in the field, by the way. Well, it, like that, it, that's, it is, not a, it is not like a fluke or something like it's, <laughs> That, that definitely matters, right? Like, it, it would be one thing if they gained five strokes on the field and shot 62, and you're like, okay, that's kind of a fake 62. But you're gaining – I mean, at the time they finished, I think it was 10 – or it was close to 10. It was like in the, the morning wave at the time they finished, I think they had gained 9.7, 9.8. And you're like, that's a real – that's real. Like, that's a real round. And I think it's um, – no line up tweeted this out. The guys that are – and you'll love this, Rick. The guys that were the best ball strikers on day one are also at the top of the leaderboard on day one. And what that tells me is that there is – like this is a – this is – you don't you, – you usually get that by the end of a tournament, right? But you don't 
necessarily get it early on. And what that tells me is that this is a true, like, who hits the shots type course. Everybody was like, oh, it's a putting contest, the scores and everything. It's like, no, the guys who hit the ball best are the ones that scored the best. And I think that's that's awesome. Like, that's what major championship golf should be at, at, at this level. The 9.38 they gained, Fowler and Xander, it, that is the second best U.S. Open round since 2008. Mike Weir uh, gained 9.8 strokes in round one in 2009. So, I mean, like, they, they were very – in the last 15 years, they were the second best U.S. Open round. Was so. 2009 Beth Page? Yeah. Kyle Was that Ricky, Ricky and Glover? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, say, nine, say, that, say that stat again, Rick. So, since 2008, so last 15 years. Okay. U.S. Open rounds. Uh, Mike Weir just gained the most in a single round, 9.8. And these two were number two, 9.378. The second best U.S. Open round in terms of strokes gained since 2008. That's awesome. I, I, I actually think that stat sort of validates – we don't need to like <clears> – <throat> I'm the one doing it. We don't need to validate or invalidate LACC after 18 holes, but I think it, it sort of validates like – and Emiliano Grillo actually just tweeted this. He's like, listen, like, if you hit good shots, you're going to make birdie. If you hit bad shots, you're going to – like, your score is going to – you're going to blow up. And that's what you want at major championships. You want – like, Joseph Lamagna always talks about this. You want consequential, consequential golf shots. And we got that on Thursday, and Ricky and Xander took advantage of it. And, and look, there are only 13 guys at three under or better, so – that's the train. That's the Ricky train coming through Charleston, South Carolina right now on his yeah, way to major number one. Well, none of this matters, Patrick, because Scotty Scheffler's three under and gained a, a stroke and a half with the putter. So we can just we can just start engraving that trophy right now. Yeah, no. Um, well, are you guys concerned that he gained a stroke and a half with his putter and he only shot 67? Like, no. What's no, he doing from tee to green? I, we were, Rick and I were talking about this. We were watching – Rory stumble home to 65 and uh, we're talking about how, yeah, if it's, I don't know, Paul Barjon. Yeah. That's concerning, but it's Scotty Shuffler, right? Like think about how bad he played at Memorial the first two days, but he, he, over the course of 72 holes, and this is his superpower in general, but also at majors is like, his ball, he believes that his ball striking will win the day, and it almost always does. And the ball striking is going to be there over the course of 72 holes. And if you can sneak in a good putting day or maybe two, then that's your that's kind of your path to victory, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, do, do you believe that, Rick? Yeah, because he also was like top five in strokes gained approach. Like it's there. It's the same exact yeah. thing. It is the same exact thing, except he putted. He made bogey on one. He's probably he's not going to make bogey on one the rest of the week. It is over, Scotty. Well, I, I want to go back. The bogey on one, I thought was. He talked about this afterward, and he said he he did the Brooks Kepka. He said, "I made bogey on one. You can't make bogey there." You got to make four, and I didn't. I made a six. And he said, at a normal PGA Tour event, that's the kind of thing that would, like, I can't remember what word he used, but just, like it would 
it would destroy you. Like you'd be in real trouble because you ha- it's like pedal to the metal the whole time. And he was like at a major championship. I know he's, he's, he is like giving you his game plan. He said, I know over the course of 72 holes that I can pick my spots. I can make it back. I can be patient and it's going to be okay. And that's his version of what Kepka has always said, which is like, Majors are easier for me because of the patience, because of the discipline, because I pound the middle of greens. And I'm so I'm so fascinated by the fact that two of the best champions of the last 10 years have sort of the same mindset and game plan. And a lot of other good players, they just they get into this mode where they press at majors in the same way that you'd have to at PGA Tour events but they haven't realized that you don't have to do that at major championships. Cause if, if you're hitting it well enough, like Brooks and, and Scotty almost always are, everybody else is going to come back to you and you're going to be fine by the end of the event. That's, that's a really good point, Kyle. Cause I mean, you just look at his scorecard. He was one over through eight and he lets four realistic scoring chances, chances pass him by and to kind of remain patient through that. And he's entering the more difficult half of the golf course and to just rattle off five birdies like that is ridiculous. And you would think, like you said, over the course of the next 54 holes, he figures out those par fives. He figures out those wedge opportunities and it's a watch out. A watch out indeed. Let's uh, put a wrap on the morning wave with these two. They played in the same group. It was John Rahm. It was Victor Hovland. They both shot one under 69s. Um, Patrick, who do you want? You want Rombo or you want, you want Victor? I'll take Rom. John Rom. Uh, they started on, they started on ten. So he makes birdie out of the gate, a very aggressive putt. He gives it back at twelve. He gets another one back on fifteen. He gives it back on seventeen. So he he turns an even par thirty five, and then only uh, one non par on his second nine. The front he made birdie on eight. John Rom one under heading into the second round. Yeah, he had no business turning an even par today he had the case of the lefts going i think he only hit five fairways on the round today um and it was just for john rom someone we've talked about as someone who could potentially go down as one of the best drivers of the golf ball ever he looked it he was aiming very far left off the tee like i know he hits that patented fade but it was left of left and i was surprised he didn't really make that in-round adjustment at all uh and if you're not hitting fairways out there i mean you're really playing defense so he did really well to somehow turn that into an under par round a red figure he really putted his butt off in my opinion i'm I'm not sure what we got gained two strokes on the field 150th in driving accuracy 142nd in strokes gained off the tee uh so he, he did really well to turn that into a red number he could have easily gotten it to two under he had a nice look for eagle there on the eighth his 17th hole of the day but if you're john rom it, it's kind of like that brooks kept around from oak hill the first one where you scratch and claw and you keep your way in it you're still within shouting distance and then you figure it out and you go you know balls to the wall the next 54 holes so if the driver turns around which conventional wisdom would suggest it would uh he, he's right in this thing Lost a stroke and a half off the tee. That is his worst driving performance in a major championship. The seventh worst driving round of his career. Our beautiful boy, Victor Hovland, KP. Um, Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, Left a couple of putts on the lip. They didn't fall for him. Then he makes an ugly double 
at seven, but the highlight of his round holes out from the fairway on number two for all to see, including myself, and gets it in at one under. Still very much in the mix. Yeah, very much in the mix. Uh, I didn't – you probably saw more of his round than I did. Um, I don't know – He's hitting it so well that any golf course is going to fit him great. I didn't necessarily think this one would be at the very top of that list um, because he doesn't strike me as somebody that is super like creative with his shots. He's very... He's obviously an, an elite tee to green player, but it, it seems very straightforward. It's almost like Oak Hill is a better test yeah. for him because he can just straightforward. And, and he's very, he's gotten to be very patient, which I think is like good for all major championships. But the straightforwardness of Oak Hill to me screams Victor Hovland more than a place yeah. like this. So, all that to say, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised that he shot one under because he's hitting it so well, but I'm also not surprised that he didn't shoot 65 because his creativity, I think, is maybe a part of his game that needs developing more than a lot of other parts of his game. Yeah, the the creative. It's an interesting point. Like, it's probably why he'll win at Torrey Pines because Torrey Pines yeah. is like it's like driver long iron 14 times. Uh, he also oh. might win at Hoylake in July. Okay, yeah, that'd be that'd be cool too. But yeah, that that's an interesting point. So we'll see. Still very much in in the mix here. Um, we're gonna get to Rory McIlroy and the afternoon wave. But first, we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Let's just get to the afternoon highlight here. It was Rory McIlroy. Uh, this was a, a big group for a lot of reasons, not only because it had Brooks Kepka coming off a runner-up finish at the Masters, the PGA Championship, Roy McIlroy, but it was also just the – you had the live golfer, you had the PGA Tour golfer, and you had Hideki just playing the middleman, playing Switzerland, not stirring the pot, not doing anything to get everybody out of line. And Rory McIlroy, KP, goes off in a flurry. Uh, I thought we were on 59 watch for a second. I, I, I actually stayed with this group way longer than I wanted to because he goes out in 30, including three under through his first five, five under through eight. It, he did not – I take that back. He missed one shot. He missed one shot on the front nine. It was his tee shot on six, the short par four. Everything else was flawless. It, it was um... – well, Patrick, I think Rick's exact words were, I really need to eat, but I, I can't I can't come in. Something <laughs> like that. Uh, it was hilarious. I was in here grinding 1,200 words on Ricky 62, and Rick's just running around LACC, just <laughs> delighting in the ball striking extravaganza. Uh, it, it was – okay, so I said 
I said about Hovland, I, I didn't necessarily think this was a great golf course for him. I, I actually sort of felt that way about Rory, too. I, I didn't come into the week thinking, like, oh, this screams Rory McIlroy. Now, I think he's I think he's helped out. I don't think this is a surprise, but I think he's helped out by the fact that it was a little softer. It was receptive. It was not the – it wasn't Shinnecock, right? And I think that's beneficial to him. However, he flushed everything he looked at. And I don't – I mean, to hit – what, he hit 16 greens? Yeah, I think he only missed the last two. He missed 16 and 18? Oh, 16 and 18. 16 was just off, too, yeah. Yeah, he, he actually used butter, but yeah. he technically missed it, yeah. So that's – I mean, it, 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 was, it was really impressive. He had Brooks down, like – if they were playing match play, I think it was like he had Brooks six down through seven holes or some, something like just crazy like that. So I was just – you know, for somebody that's been – I don't know about struggling with his wedges, but – not dialed, certainly, like not precise with them. He just hit every shot, you know? And I, I'm, I think, I think, so I think the story of the weekend for me right now is what does Rory do when they dial up the firmness and like the, how fast this golf course plays? Cause that's coming. That's going to happen. Everybody knows that. And sometimes that's been. I mean, Rory's turned himself into a very, very good U.S. Open player, like Patrick mentioned earlier, four straight top tens. But he hasn't, he hasn't had that U.S. Open where he's like, okay, I'm the guy after 54, come get me. You know, like that's how he wins major championships. So I'm excited for it. I, I think that the way he hit it on Thursday, if he keeps hitting it like that, like he's a real this, this could happen type thing. And for Rory to add LACC to his collection to match Brooks with five while he's playing in front of him, it, it, it's um, I, to me right now, it's him and Shuffler for the story of the event going into the next three days. It, it is not. Um, I think that firm and fast might be coming, Patrick. But like Rory's going to go out early tomorrow. There's going to be a marine layer. I mean, it it rained this morning, right? You get this like little mist, and like I mean, they didn't put any water on it, and it was still very receptive. There's a chance Rory backs this up immediately with another low one. Oh, he's very much in the driver's seat, him and him and DJ right now. If they could somehow put together something in the mid sixties tomorrow, they will be looking very pretty heading into the weekend. And two things kind of struck me about Rory McIlroy today. One, I think the Brooks Kepka pairing was very big for the mentals. I don't think he'd ever admit it, but I think you're, you're paired with someone who just surpassed you, right? It has always been Rory McIlroy is, you know, leading the active players outside Phil with major championships. That's no longer the case. And now you get to stare that guy right in the face for the first 36 holes. There's got to be some, you know, a little bit of extra internal motivation there. I, I would think so. And you see him come out, you know, throw a couple punches early with those five birdies. But uh, the second thing I, I noticed was he's very okay not hitting driver. And that happened on ten. three and 10. Yeah. And they, they made a point of it in the broadcast on 10. They're like, why is he laying back so much? And I, I love it. I love that he's kind of – 
He understands it's his weapon, and he drove the absolute crap out of the golf ball today. He would have been number one off the tee if that guy didn't nearly make a hole in one on number six. Um, and so being able to kind of rein in, and Kyle, you talk about it all the time with you know smart, boring golf, Scotty Scheffler. Rory's kind of – he has like a weird balance where he has so much firepower. I think he has more firepower than Scheffler. I don't think that's up for debate, where – that decision to reel it in and play boring golf is even more difficult, but it feels like he's learning how to do it almost. And uh, I I thought today was a great example of that. Yeah. uh, This goes back to the PGA. I I want to see him trust it, right? Like he doesn't trust himself to be there after 72 holes. And that's so interesting for a four-time major winner. I know he hasn't done it in a long time and there's times where it feels to him, like he's a zero time major winner. He's talked about that before, but I just want to see him trust like, Hey, my stuff right now, even though it's maybe not the best stuff I've ever had, it's still good enough to be in the top two or three after uh, 63 holes, like with nine left on Sunday. And I think Patrick, I think it's really important for him to shoot 65 in the first round. Because he he said this at the PGA, he was talking about the Masters. He goes, "Listen, I go out and I'm eight down to Rom or Bro- whoever. I, I don't remember who it was, and I start thinking about that. And so now he's he's in it straight away, like he's in it, and he could actually be the guy that if he shoots 65 again on Friday morning." that everybody's looking at him and saying, oh, I'm seven down to Rory going into my second round. Like, Max is going to be like, I'm eight down to Rory right now. And that is, I think, really, really important for him. Whether it should be or not, I think it is. And I think that is going to be um, – I think, yeah, I, I think that's – it's going to be really interesting to see where he stands after that that uh, that second round on Friday morning. Um, I'm going to make a big leap here, KP. I'm going to put together a couple of ideas we've been workshopping. I'm going to make a big leap. This doesn't really feel like a major championship out no. there on the golf course. Good for Rory McIlroy? <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a little, uh, little serenity. Mm. All his practice rounds were early by himself. Him and Harry going out there, it's just the, the fans are nowhere near you. Do you feel it, it might be subconscious that it, when, when you're constantly, you know, when you have like a, a, a Phoenix Open situation where the fans are, con- it's just like it makes it feel different. This feels like an elite round at an elite country club is what it feels like. You know how much media he's done this week, Rick? Zero. Did he, did he do anything after this round? I'm telling you, dude, it's it. This is it, man. He's playing. He's playing country club golf, and he's going to get a major championship it. for it. He 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 gave the Heisman again, which, you know what? Hell yeah! Like, I we we were joking about this after the PGA. Me and a couple other guys, like, you know what Rory should do is like tell everybody in the media, like, screw you guys. I talk for thirty minutes every day, every week. I don't need to talk to you guys anymore. And. He's too kind to say it like that, but it's kind of what he's done this week, and uh, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of love it. It's kind of sweet. Yeah, so he, he wants 
He wants to do one bit of media, the winner's presser on Sunday yeah, night. Exactly. <laughs> How's your guys' uh, week? <laughs> we have a lot I, to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, listen, like I've talked to him about this before. I think he's somebody that he he takes he, he's somebody who takes in everything around him. He always knows where everybody is, what everybody's doing. He's take he's constantly taking stuff in, taking stuff in. And in a major week with the heightened amount of emotion that there is, that can really wear you down by the end of the week. And it's, it's the way he processes things. It's the way he just sort of lives his life. And I don't know that he can change that, but I think you're right. I think it's really helpful for him to not have a million things to take in. Now, the counter to this is he didn't play very well during COVID and he kind of blamed it on fans not being there and not having the energy and all that stuff. So I don't know that it's like foolproof or a hundred percent true, but I think this sort of subdued type major championship with some people here, but not as much, not as many as you normally see. I do think that could work to his advantage, but also I've said like a hundred other things would work to his advantage and he still doesn't have a major in the last nine years. We're workshopping. We're workshopping. Um, the other guy who flew up the leaderboard uh, in the afternoon was Dustin Johnson here, Patrick. And this stat profile is dirty. Fourth in strokes gained off the tee. Third on approach. Sixth around the green and nearly dead even. Almost an exact zero with the putter. Six under par. DJ was in the mix after the first two rounds at Oak Hill, but it was like the opposite stat profile. He was, it was all short game. The ball striking wasn't there. He fades down the leaderboard. This is a much better setup for the future. And, and like I said, he hit every single fairway today. And if you're doing that, you are in attack mode into some of these pins with a wedge in hand. And for Dustin Johnson, he said at the onset of the week, he kind of felt like, one day his irons would be really good, but his driver would be off. And the next that driver would be good. Irons would be off like every golfer ever. Uh, and he felt like it finally, finally clicked last week when he was playing at the Grove with Brooks, you know, MJ's place and whatnot. Um, but like you said, Rick, I'm, I'm very interested to see what he does because he has kind of tapered off. He did at the open championship at St. Andrews a little bit over the weekend. He was in the mix there last year. Uh, he did PGA. at the PGA, PGA championship as well. And outside that live Tulsa win, he really hasn't played that great this season. So the stat profile is fantastic. I love that he has the quick turnaround, you know, as well as Rory McRoy to have an opportunity to post something in the mid sixties again. And if we get a DJ Rory final group going into Saturday, like, Oh my God, just forget about it. Yeah. He has been very good in opening rounds at major champions. So he's gained at least four strokes in the first round of a major championship in five of his last seven. Now, he has not won any of those, KP, so this is not uncommon for him to get off to a hot start. It's about getting all, all four rounds together. Yeah, I don't, I don't – uh, this sounds weird to say about a two-time major winner, one of the best players of the last 15 years. I don't know that I trust him over the next 54. Now, if we get to Sunday and he's still there, then I maybe trust him more than anybody. So there's this weird middle ground of, of – kind of got to prove it over the next 36 like friday saturday i need you to back it up a little bit because he's had a tendency to show out early and then fade in the middle but if he gets to sunday and is leading then 
man, we were talking about this on the course, LACC, Augusta National, Oakmont as your three majors. Yeah. That's a pretty unassailable trio of, of uh, major championship tests. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, uh, we're going to look at the betting odds for the rest of the way. I'm not sure if Josh has them yet, so I'll, I'll vamp for him here for a second. Now, we did not really have KP like that viral moment, right? Uh, Tom Kim didn't fall into a, <laughs> a mud pit. Uh, you know, like it was pretty much just golf around LACC. The only thing anybody could complain about or get all fired up about was the low scores. Uh, of course, there's always uh, something. I, the thing to me, Rick, that stood out about the about the day was, and we were talking about this out there, was it's such a cool test of golf when players are playing away from holes and they're hitting pitches off of humps and hollows and hills. Yeah, I watched somebody on, I can't remember who it was, somebody on eight, the par five, they had a pitch at the very front of the green and it might've been, uh, I, I forgot who it was, but whoever it was hit it past the pin to use the slope, to bring it back. And maybe unnecessary, maybe not, but I'm here to watch it. You know, like there's just so many different, we sat, I sat on six for a while and watch guys hit shots off the tee there. You could blow driver over the trees or you could hit three wood up the left, or you could hit iron down the middle. There's, the creativity that this place engenders is something that we don't get enough at big time golf tournaments and even sometimes at major championships. The other thing about six is if you try to lay up and miss left, like Sebastian Munoz did, like Brooks Kepka did, you it's don't great. even go for the green. They, yeah. they literally just got to lay up again. You got to lay up again. They just, they just advance it. 10 yards back into the fairway and then go from there because you, you're absolutely dead. You have no chance. And it was an immediate decision that both of, both of them made. And I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Yeah, it, it's so it's so sweet. And, and I love it when the, like where you're at on the leaderboard determines what you do, right? Like Because you might get somebody on Sunday who's, let's say, three back and they're on six and they're like, I got to make a move. So – even though I haven't gone for it the rest of the week, I have to go for it now. Like the stuff like that is so interesting because it tests guys mentally and makes them think about where they are in the tournament, what the risk is. They have to do a bunch of calculations that they don't normally have to do because usually there's only one answer to the test and they just throw that out there and hope it's enough by the end of the week. Uh, was there something, Patrick, that stood out to you or that we haven't talked about that we should talk about before we shut it down? The big one, Bryson DeChambeau contending at his second major championship in a row. Love it. Do we, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, he had the first round lead there at Oak Hill. He, himself, he admitted that his ball striking kind of regressed as the week went on. By all accounts, he's pounding like three million golf balls on the range there. They had the Kyle, I saw your tweet. They had the the range net kind of an homage to the RBC heritage back in the day when he said he was gonna play and then he, yeah, you know, I'm actually gonna withdraw after they set up that whole net. Um what what do we think of the big one moving forward? Does he have uh does he have it in him to get US open number two? I'll say this. I'm impressed because I didn't think this was. I didn't think this was a yeah. good. I don't think this is a good spot for him, KP. You know, yeah. you talk a lot about like uneven lies and his single length irons and creativity and all that stuff. Like, there's just a lot of things that don't 
work well with the artistry that you need and the engineer that he is, I'm I'm impressed. I hope he plays well. Good for him. Yeah, I do too. It's it the the high king of content is <laughs> is all the way back. And um, listen, like he got a lot of attention for the the speed training and the he's got a lot of attention for a lot of things. But the reality is he's been an elite player for a long time. I mean, you go back to 2016 when he led the ma- or he was in it at the Masters after 36, and like he was a really really good player for several years before he gained like 70 pounds. And so it, it's been cool to see him. And he talked about this afterward. He's like, I'm just trying to get back to where I was in 2018. Like that's the best I've ever been um, in terms of just being a well-rounded player. And I love seeing guys pursue he for in a lot of ways, he pursues things that don't matter that much, but it's been fun to watch him over the last three or four months pursue some things that do as it relates to his golf. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, show me the ads board, Josh. Thank you kindly. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Look at this log wow. jam. That can't be right. Brooks Kepka's 55 to 1. Is that right? I guess maybe he's got a lot of guys to pass. Xander Shoffley, your favorite 3 to 1. That implies he wins this thing about 25% of the time. Rory McElroy, 5 to 1. Ricky Fowler, 6.5. Alongside Scotty Scheffler at the same number with Dustin Johnson at 8 to 1. And everybody else in double digits. A couple notables. Talked about Bryce DeChambeau, 25 to 1. Victor Hovland, he's one under par, 40 to 1. And then Brooks Kepka, 55 to 1. Patrick, there is a lot of golf to be played. A lot of golf. And tomorrow morning, it'll be Rory, DJ, Clark. Fee now and Kepka, who will have the the opportunity to post a, a low one early, kind of get themselves back into the mix, or even take the lead if you're Rory or DJ. Um, but personally, who I think will be your 2023 United States Open champion is one Richard Flower at six and a half to one. He's wow. going to raise the trophy. It's going to be, you know, you talked about, does he still move the needle? He absolutely still does. I, I think it'd be, I mean, Brooks got number six this year. That's tough to hit. Okay. We've had some really good major champions this year, but I was going to say it'd be, it'd be a top three story among the major champions thus far. This year. Very, I'll, I'll put it that way. Very brave, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Shuffler here at plus 650. I actually, I, I'll ask you, Patrick, because I asked Rick on the course. I didn't know this was that these were going to be the top four in the odds, but I said, would you take, if I gave you Xander and Ricky or Rory and Scotty, who would you take? I mean, the latter for sure. Um, but for sure. Yeah, Rory and Scheffler over Ricky. You just said, and- you just said Ricky's going to win. I, yeah, I, I know he is, but you coupled in Xander Shoffley with him too. So I thought it was like a team thing. No, no, uh, no. Xander's no. bringing them down. You're, we're talking about picking the winner out of the at like who, who, which side of that do you want? Oh, uh, I'll, I'll take the guys at eight under right now. Okay. So Ricky and Xander. I'm taking Ricky and Xander. Who did I settle on? I think I settled on Rory and Scotty. Yeah, you you did. Because um, you initially tried to say. You could have Rory or Xander and Ricky. And I said, well, I have yeah. to take 
with those two guys. And then you said, okay, yeah. let me sweeten the pot. I'll give you Scotty and Rory. And I said, well, okay, at, deal. At the time, it looked like Rory might shoot 63. We were on the last yeah. couple of holes. And, That's right. That's right. In my defense, yeah, he had a couple opportunities ahead. Yeah. So, um, I, it's tough. I, I, I think I would take Scheffler and Rory, but uh, Xander and Ricky is is – I think people don't understand how good Ricky's been playing. Like, this is not – people are like, oh, my gosh. And it's like, yeah, man, he's yeah. been like a top 12 player so far this year. He's just hadn't won, you know. So, I don't know. Next couple of days are going to be fascinating. Well, guess what? We have crossed into to Friday on the East Coast, and we are going to do it all again on Friday. Round two, United States Open Championship. LACC, the North Course. We'll be here after the round is finished for the next three days. Big thanks to everybody staying up late. Producer Josh does all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald at Amateur Status on Twitter. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Big thanks to Sam Burns for free beer in the Media Center. Hello to you, Kyle. I'm Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.